Turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 47. John chapter 1 in verse 47. Saul of Tarsus didn't know that God had put his finger upon his life to use him for his purpose. At the time, he was persecuting the church, and uh, on his way to Damascus, God intervened, and Paul came to faith in Jesus Christ. He became a missionary. He went from a persecutor to a missionary and fulfilled the purposes that God had for his life. At one place, he says, I have finished my course. I have finished my course. He, he had a course. He had a path. He had a life to live that God had planned before he was born and that he didn't understand until that day when he gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. I'm convinced that God has a plan for each of our lives. We need to fulfill that plan that he has given us, and it's the most significant thing that we could do. Uh, you can make uh, great accomplishments and strides at work and uh, many other things in life that you can accomplish, but nothing is more significant than what you do for Jesus Christ. Um, Nathaniel is a character that is not mentioned much in Scripture, but he is somebody that God had a plan for. Uh, we know this because Jesus makes some comments in, in his interactions with Nathaniel that show not only that Jesus is interested in Nathaniel, that he cares for Nathaniel, but that he has a plan for his life. And I'm glad that there are stories like the story about Nathaniel because it shares with us that you don't have to be well known to make a difference for Christ. You don't have to be publicly influential to make a difference for Christ. You can be in the background just faithfully fulfilling what God has called you to do, and you can make a profound difference for Jesus Christ. Um, I've thought about uh, uh, my, my grandmother and great-grandmother. My great-grandmother would actually pray for my mom by name, uh, and my mom would hear her praying. And um, I've often wondered if some of those prayers are still being fulfilled to this day in my mom's life and in our family as a result of her prayers. But she was in the background. Listen, I want to tell you, in the background folks can make a huge difference for Jesus Christ. The story is told of uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, had gone to this church in England and he had preached that morning and it just seemed like there was a spiritual resistance that seemed uh, kind of dead. And he said, he, he went home and he told God, he said, Lord, should I even go back tonight? Should I go ahead and go on back uh, to the United States? And he just felt like he should continue and uh, do that Sunday evening service. Well, what he didn't know was there was a lady that felt burdened to pray. She prayed for three hours that afternoon with a great burden on her heart for God's church. And the fire fell that night, and revival came to that church as Charles Haddon Spurgeon preached. I want you to know the power of God often is exercised by ordinary people. 
people that are behind the scenes who are just faithful to God. So uh, we need to fulfill the purpose that God has for us to fulfill as his people. The title of my message is Chosen for Greater Purposes. Look with me at verse 47. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathanael asked? Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. Rabbi Nathanael replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you? I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Chosen for greater purposes. How do we see God's concern for us and his, his plan for us as his people? Well, first of all, I want you to see that he values you. He values you. As Philip speaks to Nathaniel and invites him to come see Jesus, Jesus is watching. He shares that with Nathaniel. But as Nathaniel approaches in verse 47, he says, Here truly, <coughs> excuse me, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked? Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, Jesus answered. So here truly as an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. He values you. Jesus saw Nathanael, and that was a good thing. He valued him. I want you to know that Jesus values you. The Bible says that God weaved us together in our mother's womb for his purpose. He custom-designed us for the purpose that he has for us. Jesus sees Nathaniel, and he mentions the character quality Nathaniel has. Here's an Israelite in whom is no deceit. Now, that not, might not be a positive if uh, you're hearing the truth, right? Somebody's telling you the truth that you don't want to hear that's unpleasant. I'm sure he had some people that didn't respond too well to that character quality. But it was something that Jesus appreciated and valued, and it was something that he would use. Yes, God values you. If you are like me, you've probably read a book that says, you ought not to be this way, you ought to be that way. Well, maybe that's true and maybe that's not, especially if you're talking about spiritual things. If you're living in sin, you may need to repent and and adjust your lifestyle. But sometimes that's just not the case. Just because you're not like the author of that book doesn't mean that you're not valuable in the eyes of God. That God doesn't have 
a unique purpose for you. After all, God created us all different on purpose, right? Uh, praise God, there, there's different members of the body. We would be in trouble if all of us were just one. Um, but God has made us with different gifts and different abilities and different talents and different things that he has hardwired into us that, yes, we do need to rely upon him to use. We need to pray and ask God to use us and empower us. But God has given us those unique gifts. Um, it's interesting, as I saw my kids grow up, they were very different. They had different strengths, different interests. And if you, if you looked at their lives, you, you would see some different things that, that, that issued from those things. But both of those kids were precious to me. Both of them uh, had a place in my heart. The same thing is true for us as God's people. We have a place in his heart. We're his kids, and uh, he values us, and, and he has a plan for us. He values those gifts, even the weaknesses that we have, because as he told Paul, in our weakness, he's strong. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And so God has designed the unique mix of who we are in our strengths and weakness for his purpose, and he values us as his people. One little boy wore a shirt that said, uh, I'm something special because God don't make no junk. That may be cute, but that's truth. That is truth. God has designed us for his purpose, and he values us as his people. He values the work. Don't you feel like you have to fit into somebody else's mold you be the person God has created you to be to the glory of God and as you do that God will use you and as you do that you will live a life of significance don't spend your life trying to be somebody else you won't do that too well because you're not that person spend your life being who God created you to be following the leadership and direction of his Holy Spirit, and God will use you for his glory. Sometimes God will bring along somebody unique, uh, and people don't recognize the gifting that is there, and don't, don't uh, value it. I, I heard that, uh, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that Einstein, when he was in high school, was told by his science teacher that he was stupid. Well, I, you know, she evidently didn't see the gifting that was there. Listen, I want you to know something. God has created you with gifts, and Jesus sees your gift. And he values you for who you are. So let the pressure come off. You don't have to be somebody else. Just be the best you that you can be for the glory of God. Uh, so chosen for greater purposes... First of all, how do we see that? We see that he values you. Secondly, he knows you. Uh, Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So how do you know me? So Nathaniel recognized that what Jesus saw was true. 
he was a man in whom there was no deceit. Uh, you know, he, he was a person who spoke truth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He just finished saying that, right? And so uh, he, was, he recognized that, the, that he just spoke, he tr- spoke genuinely from his heart, and that the fact that Jesus knew this about him was supernatural. How do you know me? Uh, did we meet somewhere? You know, uh, ha- have we met? And he's, I-, I see his wheels turning. How do you know me? Well, Jesus, Jesus says, I, I saw you under the fig tree. And so Nathaniel then puts the dots together. He realizes that Jesus knows him supernaturally. Did you know that Jesus knows you supernaturally? He knows everything about you. Now, the Bible says the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We can't even know ourselves completely. We don't even understand all the ins and outs of why we do the things we do sometimes. We, we don't even know ourselves completely. But God knows us perfectly. One man said, uh, God be merciful to me, a sinner. He, he, he saw the, the sin and the, the shortcomings in his life. I'm so glad that the scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Though he knows us, even with our sin, even with our shortcomings, he still loves us. But, but he knew Nathaniel. Now, listen, God knows you better than you know yourself. Sometimes people think, well, you know, I wish God would do such and so in my life. And we think we've got it figured out, right? If I were God, this is what I would do, right? Thank God we're not. Uh, he knows us better than we know ourselves. You know what that means? That means I can trust him with the leadership he has in my life. He knows what's best for me. And when I pray and he doesn't answer the way that I think he ought to answer, I can trust him with that too because he knows what's best for me. He knows how I'm wired. He knows what I need. He knows where I need to be and what I need to do. He knows me. If you if you've got uh, kids or uh, a spouse, you, you recognize this, right? After you have lived with your spouse for a number of years, you begin to anticipate what they're going to do and what they're going to say. Sometimes, right? Not always, but sometimes. And uh, you kind of know what they're thinking. You learn, you learn that. Uh, with your kids, it's the same way. You, you know, after, after raising your kids for, for a long period of time, you begin to see there are certain tendencies. You begin to know kind of what to expect. Well, we, we have just a taste of that, but God knows us perfectly. The Bible says that God is the one who searches the hearts and minds. He knows exactly what we are, and he knows us better than anyone knows us. He designed us for his purpose. I used to think when I was a young man, uh, well, if I, if I uh, obey God and really surrender to him, he's going to make me go to the mission field and marry an ugly woman. That's just what I thought. 
okay? I just thought that God, if I really surrendered, I couldn't trust God because God would double-cross me if I surrendered to him. That's what I thought. Not to say that going to the mission field is a double-cross. I think it's a blessing for those that God has called to the mission field. But, but that's just kind of the mindset that I had. How wrong that was. God knew me. And he knew what was best for me. He didn't take me in the direction exactly that I thought I was going to go. Matter of fact, I'd said, I'll never be a pastor. But he took me that direction. Why? Because he knows me. And he knew that when I served him as a pastor, that it would be a, a great thing for me. And I'm so glad that God called me to preach. Now, I wouldn't have said that years ago. I, I was very, uh, I had a lot of concern when God called me to preach. Well, Lord, I remember having this conversation with him. Lord, I need to be sure about this. Would you please make this very clear to me? I want to do it if it's your will for me, but make this very clear to me because I was scared to death about doing it. I didn't want to be a pastor. And I felt like God gave me a very clear assurance in his mercy. Isn't God good to us? He's, mer he's merciful. I should have just trusted him. <laughs> but I just I said, Lord, I know about this. And so, um, but God knew me. He led me down the path that he had designed for me and that he had prepared me for, for his glory. And I could trust him with that. You know how freeing it is when you realize you don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to fulfill somebody else's expectation. You can just be who God has called you to be. He knows you. Trust him with your life. Surrender to him. Follow him. Because it will be the most significant path for your life. In the path of God is where you can find joy. Not always easiness. Not all, there won't be absent difficulty or absent hardship, but you can find the significance and the joy that God has for you. So, uh, chosen for greater purposes. How do you know uh, that God is concerned and has purposes? Well, first of all, He values you. He knows you. Thirdly, He sees you. When you were under the fig tree, I saw you. This touches me. I, I know he's not, there's probably not an emotion attached to this at this point. He's just saying, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel. But when you begin to think about this, it really is true. God sees us wherever we go. He observes us. And he does so with delight. Because the Bible says that he compares himself to a mother bird and us to his chicks. Okay? So that kind of concern that a mother bird has, you, you want to know how concerned a mother bird is, go around a mockingbird nest and you'll find out real fast. Um, God is very concerned. I, you know, as we, as, as we were raising our kids, sometimes we would watch them sleep. You ever done that with your kids? And uh, Why? Because we just delighted in them. And, uh, you know, but, but the thing about being a parent is you can't be with your kids wherever they go. When they get to a certain age, they're going to go to school. They're going to go with friends. 
different places. Ultimately, they're going to leave your home, and they're going to go out and have their own lives. You can't go with them everywhere that they go. But I'll tell you who can. The Lord. And he will see them wherever they are. He sees them. He saw Nathaniel. Now, if I was the creator of the universe, I probably wouldn't have been too concerned about Nathaniel. But Jesus was. He saw him. He was observing him. He was watching him under the fig tree, even though he wasn't physically present there. You can do that if you're omnipresent, right? (laughs) If you're God the Son, though Jesus' physical body was in one place, as God the Son, he had access to every place in the universe at one time. He's omnipresent. And he saw Nathaniel right where he was. Did you know there's no mountain too high that Jesus won't walk with you on that mountain? There's no valley too low where Jesus won't go with you through that valley. I spoke about the mountain. We went to House Mountain and hiked this weekend, and I'm still feeling it today. It was kind of a high mountain, probably too high for me. But anyway, nowhere we can go, nowhere we can go that Jesus won't walk with us. He sees us wherever we are. In the midst of our trouble, he sees us. In our time of victory, he sees us. In our time of failure, he sees us. And he is watching. The psalmist in Psalm 139, he says, Lord, you see when I sit and when I rise. That can be pretty boring, right? If you're just watching somebody stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. It's like watching paint dry, right? That's how concerned God is with you. His attention is on you. When you sat down in that pew today, when you get up to leave, he's watching. He sees you. You see, his concern for us It's so great. Psalmist says, you know the words I'm going to say before I say them. You have my hairs numbered. Some of us, that'd be easier than others, right? But, I mean, that's amazing. God knows exactly how many hairs you have on your head right now. That's how closely he observes it. And the fact that he sees us. Sometimes the scripture will speak about Jesus looking at somebody intently. Or the apostles in Acts looking at somebody intently. This idea that there's a spiritual insight that's been given to them. And they see something beyond what is just there to see on the outside. Uh, One of the scriptures in Acts says that he saw that he had faith to be healed. How do you see that? Well, you don't see it with just your eye. You see it spiritually. He sees us in that way. He perceives who we are. He perceives what our issues are, what our potential is, what our failures and hang-ups are. He sees them perfectly. He knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly how to help us. 
he's chosen us for greater purposes, and he shows us how important those purposes are. The greatest purpose being our relationship with him. But how important his purposes are by the fact that he sees us. Sometimes when, when football scouts go out, they will go to a high school football team. And they'll watch a game and, and they'll see how these individuals play before they choose who they want for their team. One reason they take the time to go to that football field and watch them play that game is because they have an interest in that individual and they think that individual might be somebody who could fulfill a purpose on that football team, right? So they're willing to take that time and that investment aside so that they can have those purposes fulfilled on the field. The same thing is true of Christ. He has an investment in you. And he is willing to take the time to observe you and watch you and and be interested in you, not because he thinks you might fulfill a purpose, but because he knows you're going to fulfill a purpose because that's what he designed you to do. And so he's watching you uh, so that he can minister to you where you are and help you become the person that God wants you to be. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Right? Yes, there is the, the, the part of it where I make a choice to repent of my sin and put my trust in Jesus Christ. I receive that gift of eternal life. That is a choice that I must make to fulfill God's purpose for my life. Uh, there is uh, the aspect of making a choice to deny myself and take up my cross and to follow him. That is my side of the equation. But it is comforting for me to know that it's not just what I decide to do, but that he has decided to come alongside me, knowing me perfectly, seeing me completely in 4D or whatever D you got, okay, however that works with, with, with supernatural things. He sees me clearly, and he knows exactly how to get me from point A to point B and fulfilling the plan he has for my life. See, he sees you. He sees you with love. He sees you with concern. He sees your potential. And he knows how to get you where you need to go. He has a purpose for your life. And it's an eternal purpose. So chosen for greater purposes. How do you see that? And know that he's concerned and has that purpose for you. Well, first of all, he values you. Secondly, he knows you. Thirdly, he sees you. Fourthly, he calls you. Nathaniel is impressed that he saw him under the fig tree. So if you look at verse 49, he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus responded to him, Do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is calling him. Now this is kind of a subtle call. 
But he's saying, you will see greater things than this. Well, how's he going to do that? If he goes back where he was before, he's not going to see any of those things. What's Jesus doing? He's inviting him. Why don't you live a little bit on a different plane? Why don't you fulfill the purpose I have for you? Why don't you come alongside so you can see the supernatural work of God that he's going to do through me, but that I have for you as my disciple. You will see greater things than this. This was, this was Jesus' purpose for Nathaniel. He was calling him. He was inviting him to participate as a disciple in the ministry of Jesus. And he says, you're going to see some things that you will not believe. Angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, all that the Old Testament predicted, I am. You know that ladder Jacob saw? I'm the ladder. But more than that, as you follow me, Nathaniel, as you make a choice to answer the call of God that I have upon your life, you're going to see angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What's that all about? There's been a whole lot of ink spilled about it. But I, I think it basically involves a couple of things. Number one, Nathaniel was going to have access to God. A way would be open to heaven, and Nathaniel would be able to experience heavenly things as he followed Jesus. Also, angels are, Hebrews tells us, that angels are sent for ministry to you and me, God's people. Okay? So these angels are going down and coming up. What are, why are they doing that? They're doing that to help God's people fulfill the purposes that God has for them to fulfill. You remember Jesus when he was in the wilderness? He'd been tempted by the devil. And the, the, after he resisted that temptation, the Bible says the angels came and ministered to him there. See? Coming down, going up, coming down, coming up. What, what is Jesus saying? As you follow me. All of heaven's power will be there for you to fulfill the purposes that I have for you. How exciting is that? Now, Nathaniel may not have understood all of this, uh, comprehended the magnitude of what was going to take place. I'm sure that at times he would have been confused as Jesus went to the cross as he died and, and not understanding fully what was going on. There may be times that we're confused, but I'm going to tell you, there's always going to be a resurrection morning for the child of God. You and I are the people of the resurrection. And one of the amazing things about God is, He is able to take what is broken and use it for His purposes. I love the fact that God called Jonah to go to Nineveh. Weren't there other prophets? Prophets that didn't hate the Ninevites like, like Jonah hated them? Well, God showed that he could use the most unlikely candidate possible to fulfill his purpose. And Jonah went and preached what might be the shortest sermon that had ever been preached. And the whole city got saved. This is what God can do as we respond to his call. He'll come alongside us. He'll help us. 
he'll help us. He'll be with us. I will never leave you or forsake you. What did Jesus say when he gave the Great Commission? And lo, or behold, I am with you always. Right? So we can have confidence. We're called. Chosen for greater purposes. Listen, God didn't just call you to get saved and sit on a pew. God called you for his purposes. It might be serving. It might be cooking a meal. It might be mowing a yard. It might be something just, you know, that seems very ordinary. But God can take what you do as you respond in obedience to him. And you say, you know what? I want to fulfill the purposes of God for my life. God can do a remarkable work through you. He sure can. And it's amazing. Only when we get to heaven will we see all that God did. I think that's going to be one of the best parts of heaven. To see what God did that we didn't even know about. As we said yes to him. How God uses. Chosen for a greater purpose. How you know you're chosen? He values you. He knows you. He sees you. He calls you. He invites you to join him in the work that he has for you to fulfill. Will you say yes to him? If you're a child of God this morning, I just want to encourage you to surrender to Jesus. Say, Lord, I want to be used however you want to use me. I choose today to surrender by your grace to follow you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, he also calls you to surrender. It's a step of repentance to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Jesus. Uh, to receive that gift of eternal life and simple trust. If you'll do that, that will be the first step in fulfilling the purposes that God has for your life. And it will just be the beginning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us never forget, Lord, that we are chosen for greater purposes. That you've given us a mission to fulfill reaching lost people with the message of the gospel. Lord, that you've given us a service to your church. Lord, help us fulfill it faithfully. And Father, help us have surrendered hearts. Help us every single day that we live to deny ourselves.